0: Welcome to the rpgbot.podcast. I'm Randall James, your unelected ombudsman, and with me is Tyler Kampstra. Hi there. Fantastic. And random. Good evening. All right.
1: Welcome, welcome. Tyler, what are we doing today in episode one, our second episode? <laughs> uh, well, we want to talk about 5th uh, edition Dungeons & Dragons investigation rules. Uh We're going to go into the mechanics, we're going to go into some uh, broad context about how the rules work and how they work in different RPGs, Um, and we're going to kind of answer some questions and fill in some gaps in the rules and explain how things work and how to use them better.
2: Good, good, good. All right. Random, what do you you
1: think we're doing today?
2: Uh, well, so, I mean, I'm partially the genesis for this episode, and, uh... coming from a long time playing 3.x where search by itself was a separate skill uh, that was keyed to intelligence as compared to spot and listen has really left me with a desire for explaining why those are there and in particular uh, how we can use that to help further optimize when different classes, different characters are going to be more interested in focusing in either intelligence or wisdom, the skills most traditionally keyed to investigation and perception, respectively.
0: Okay, I think, yeah, that's pretty interesting. So it it probably is worthwhile to do, right? So what do we have? We have the, the 3X series, you know, how do I look for things or how do I spot things in my environment? We have Pathfinder 1, Pathfinder 2, we have, I guess, fourth edition somewhere in there, probably pretty similar to Pathfinder 1. Um, and then we finally have fifth edition in all of its glory. Um, so yeah, like what, what was happening
1: back in, back in the 3X days? So third edition, which is where Random and I both learned, uh, both learned tabletop RPGs. So there were three skills for finding stuff. Uh, you had listen, you had spot, you had search. Um, They do pretty much exactly what they say on the tin. Uh, Listen is for hearing stuff. Spot is for seeing stuff with your eyes. Search is for finding stuff that's hidden. Um, And there was always kind of this vague ambiguity between what was a search check and what was a spot check. Um, And amazingly, we're what, 10, 15 years from the release of third edition. We still don't have a great answer there.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to stop for a second. As a person who never played third edition I guess my intuition would be uh, spot is if it's in plain sight and search is
1: if it isn't. Is that one of the cults? I mean, yeah, that's that's a pretty good way to break it down. But what about creatures that are hiding from you? Are they in plain sight? Creatures that are hiding? I think I'd have to search for them, right? Uh, that, that one would be a spot check. That one would be a spot yeah. check. Yeah, and that's where it gets confusing because... Because yes, yes, your okay. first instinct is absolutely right. And pretty much everyone has that thought.
0: Okay, wait, wait, okay. When, when you say that this is right, like this is what the <laughs> rule set says? Or this is what a general consensus has? A bit of both,
1: honestly.
2: In general, uh, <laughs> you would go with, uh, there are actual rules. So if you delve into the skill descriptions in... I want to say chapter three, but good Lord, it's been a decade (laughs) of the 3.5 player's handbook. You will find uh, hide, a skill, uh, which along with move silently, uh, got folded into stealth in Pathfinder 1 and later editions. Um, And hide, it would specify that you could try to hide. And that was explicitly contested by spot. And then they just never bothered explaining why that's different than searching for hidden things.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if it's, if it's alive, I have to spot it. If it's dead or inanimate, I have to search it. Maybe. Okay. Right. Um, that, that is the dichotomy I've just invented. I have one more question on this because this is wild to me a little bit. Okay. So we managed to split our senses, right? So I, I walk into a room uh, and I say to my DM, I want to attempt to spot uh enemies and i roll my dice and i i spot nothing but then afterwards the dm's like but if you had listened you totally would have heard him whistling as they were walking down the hallway
1: wait okay you're both nodding vigorously for for the folks who are at home (laughs) that is absolutely a thing that could happen absolutely a thing
0: (laughs) okay that could happen or that did happen and then you viciously attacked or mocked Uh, your dm
2: both so there's an interesting case for this right so um if you are a reasonable scout, there may be a time when you decide I am going to walk up to a door and listen to what's on the other side of it to see if I can hear, uh, you know, enemy camp conversation or whatever. Now it was worth noting uh, that in the same way that fifth edition, you have a limited number of proficiencies to split in three point X, you had a limited number of skills, uh, skill points to spend and you could choose, for instance, to go for the much more common, I want to put all of my points into spot and not bother with putting my points into listen to make it so that I have room to put those skills in other places. Well, if you go up and put your ear to a door and you're not trained in it, you have a not great chance of hearing conversation on the other side of a door, even though you can spot a you know swarm of bees at a thousand feet because that's how that mechanical difference manifested okay i follow this
0: and i know we're, we're going to come back to to more recent editions okay actually let's maybe hit it so pathfinder one Four E that all changes right yeah so we, so we stop this dichotomy and
1: so fourth edition comes out uh and all of all three of those skills are condensed down to just perception. Uh, there's no more listen there's no more search just if you wanna if you want to find something or notice something it's just perception uh fourth edition has the the uh, world's largest edition war um Pathfinder first edition comes out uh, to appeal to the 3.x adherents, and Pathfinder also just has perception and you know that's it there's no search you just use perception for finding anything um, okay. Years pass, years pass, and then 5th uh, edition comes out, and we have Perception and Investigation. And Insight, Do you? should we lump those together or no? Uh, insight's its own separate thing. Uh, insight has stayed mostly separate. Um, three you no, confused
0: X, over it at least.
1: Kinda, yeah. Insight is okay. mostly just like, get a sense of people. Uh, okay. So it's less about finding hidden things and more about uh, just understanding people. So so we're up to 5th edition. 5th uh, edition has perception and introduces investigation, which is essentially search from 3.x. Um, and then a couple of years later, Pathfinder 2nd edition comes out. Pathfinder 2nd Edition is still just Perception. And if you uh, if you go outside the dungeon fantasy genre and look at some other RPGs, pretty much every RPG just has one skill for Perception. Uh, fantasy Flight's Star Wars game has just Perception. Um, I believe the Dark Heresy franchise has just Perception. Um, I'm drawing a blank on a couple of other RPGs. I know I looked this up, but generally it's just perception for finding stuff so why is fifth edition the odd one out with an extra skill
0: tyler why is fifth edition the odd one out with an extra skill
1: boy i wish i had a good answer um (laughs) it was worth a shot i figured i know the best answer i've come up with is perception is the best skill in the game already and it needs to do less things but honestly it's not a great answer And I
2: I wonder if part of this does sort of loop back around to what I was talking about, where you want character diversity. I mean, if you think about this in an actual real-world context, not that there is a great correlation to, I am very wise and therefore I'm good at seeing things, but regardless, while you can sort of turn some of this into what proficiency means, there is definitely a difference that is intuitive between... I am good at looking around at a room quickly and noticing what's shiny or out of place. And I know things which are likely to indicate something that I can figure out. So if we look at, and I'm looking here at the first line of the investigation skill in D&D Beyond's Basic Rules. When you look around for clues and make deductions based on those clues... You make an intelligence investigation check. You might deduce the location of a hidden object. So if, for instance, I wanted to, and, you know, what's a super classic dungeon crawl trope? I'm going to search a door for traps, right? Okay. If I walk up to a door and I tell, or I I guess I'll be the DM in this perspective. If I'm (laughs) DMing and someone walks up to a door and says to me, I want to search the door for traps. I'm going to say, great. Roll perception. Because they're just saying, I want to look for a thing. If instead they walk up to me and they say, <clears throat> I want to check the door frame for screw holes that might indicate that there's a tripwire, I want to check and see if the flagstone immediately in front of the door sp- slides down a little bit when I push on it. If I want to use a hand mirror to look under the door and see if there is something that is going to trigger when I push the door open. That is not looking for a trap. That is trying to use, like it says, look for clues and make deductions based on those clues. You're not looking for a trap. You're looking for specific things, and you are thinking to yourself, I understand that if this stone in front slides, that probably means it's a pressure plate that's going to trigger a trap. I understand that this wire likely means that something is going to be triggered by this door opening, right? And so that's where you can introduce some player creativity in order to turn it into, rather than just a straight perception, which is very good, but it's wisdom-based, into a more intelligence check
0: okay so i want to ask you like as a dm how do you play that so let's say my plan is i'm going to put a pressure plate trap in front of a door and my uh my player says you know i'm gonna check the, the screws to look for like a mounting bracket for a trap on the other side do you let them make their roll, and if it's a good roll, like yep you nailed it you found the trap or do you still like Hey, no, you don't find anything like that. But while you're checking that, you trigger this pressure plate and bad things happen.
2: So personally speaking, I am rarely going to punish somebody for trying, right? That feels bad. That's terrible. Um, with that said, and again, looking at the the basic rules, if we go to perception, it's there's a little sidebar call out. Uh, in most cases, you need to describe where you are looking in order for the DM to determine your chance of success. For example... A key is hidden beneath a set of folded clothes in the top drawer of a bureau. If you tell the DM you pace around the room looking at the walls and furniture, you have no chance of finding the key regardless of your wisdom perception check result. You would have to specify that you're opening the drawers or searching the bureau in order to have any chance of success. Now that is pulled straight from the basic rules, right? So even (laughs) Watsy, Wizards of the Coast, even Watsy is here saying, if you're not specific enough, you just don't find it, Right? Now if someone if someone is doing the sort of like I am going to take the time to investigate this door if they call out that they are investigating in a way that lets that says yes I'm going to have you roll investigation am I necessarily going to nitpick a pressure plate versus a screw hole probably not right you know mechanically is there precedence for it sure but that feels bad from a player perspective and i am much more interested in my players feeling satisfied that their character build is doing well
1: now um now let's say i'm a player in your game um and you have described to me uh a a door like i i come down a hallway and you tell me at the end of the hallway you encounter a door now i might not necessarily have all of the details like you and i in our heads have a very different picture of what that door looks like most likely. So if I just say, I search the door for traps, do you consider that enough to tell me, give me an actual answer about whether or not I find traps as opposed to saying you weren't specific enough. You don't find anything. Absolutely. And again, in that, you know,
2: if you say, I search the door for traps, I would ask you to roll perception because that's just searching right now. You know, if you, and again, uh, Wizard of the Coast being real nitpicky here um, you know if uh, you ask me to search the door for traps and I say there's no traps but I you know three feet to the left of the door is a secret panel full of treasures beyond imagining you're not going to find that because he didn't search the wall which is what they're talking about right that seems reasonable
0: I, I think from like a, a is the role of the DM and the right thing to do I think I'm with you but I feel like to me, this is further just making it feel like there isn't much of a difference between investigation and perception. Because it, I, th- I feel like what we're really saying is we're, we're going to give credit to somebody properly role playing and their words are going to dictate like how they phrase what they do is what's going to dictate whether I ask them to perceive or investigate. OK, yeah, and absolutely.
2: So, yeah.
1: So
0: if I look down at my character sheet, well, if if random is my DM. And I look down at my character sheet and I think, oh, I i am not a smart man, but somehow I am wise. Then I'm, I'm going to find
2: a way to make it about perception. Is that too
0: metagamey? Like, is that not?
2: No, are, are you kidding? So if you look at and feel free to cut me off at some point. But if you think about humans in real life, right, I know that I am maybe not super strong, but I'm decently smart right so would i the person say i'm gonna try and lift this box or am i gonna try and like get a rock and a board and use leverage to lift this box right and that's a reasonable thing that humans do in real life and so you know is a character going to try and pigeonhole themselves into what like most people do for a thing not necessarily people figure out workarounds that work better for them all the time
0: okay but I think the real question is how are you going to find the box and the rock (laughs) Uh, well that depends on if it's hidden
2: or not (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah can you spot it or do you search for it or oh, wait no yes yeah. okay. <laughs> yes but uh, you've you've hit the nail on the head with the big problem of uh where do you where do you draw the line between investigation and perception um random random has that absolutely right uh almost all of the time when you're searching for something hidden it's going to be perception but uh it gets real confusing because if you read the text of the investigation skill um One of the sentences is, you might deduce the location of a hidden object. Now, that's probably the sentence that causes most of the confusion between the two. Um, The key word there is deduce. It's not find. You don't find the object. You figure it out. So you might use investigation and like, uh, maybe you search through a bunch of documents and in the documents you get some ideas and you're like, ah, now I know where the hidden safe is based on what I found in these documents. But perception is the the act of looking around, just finding the thing.
0: Okay, but so with investigation, it's the whole like, you know, you find the Count's journal, and in the journal he talks about how he hates these three kids, but he really loves this one kid, and the one kid's birthday is X, and lo and behold, that's the safe code.
1: It's weird that you refer to yourself as a Count, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, okay,
0: here we are. Um, yeah,
2: and in fact, that's that's one of the things that's very nearly called out specifically in the text of the skill <clears throat> is pouring through ancient scrolls in search of a hidden fragment of knowledge might also call for intelligence investigation, right? So, it, it, if we go back to the way that I'm discussing traps, if you if someone says I want to search for clues that would tell me that there is a uh, a pressure plate, right? You know, <clears throat> they might understand that there is a pressure plate there. Is that necessarily going to tell them that it's this particular square? It's all 10 feet? I mean, that could be worth exploring. This is, which is perhaps a way to make it less impactful than perception. Although again, part of this is that we're trying to make it so that there is possible diversity. Um, One thing that's worth mentioning There are a lot of cases, in fact, it's most of the cases where investigation is not going to help you where perception will, right? You know, if you want to say, I I am going to look around the room for treasure, that's perception 100% of the time. Now, if you want to get creative with even that, you can say, okay, I want to look for places in the room where the absence of dust tells me that this is a place that is frequently used even though there's nothing nearby that is necessarily of interest right and maybe that might indicate the presence of a hidden door in the wall again it really does come down to what can you make a good case for because well it's not meant to be competitive it is meant to be a lot of cooperative storytelling there are definitely ways in which you have built your character and sometimes you will need to convince your DM that the thing that you are trying to do should maybe be governed by a particular set of the rules. Okay, I, I think I follow that. I have maybe one more follow up. Like I'm, you know,
0: I'm thinking through what you're saying. So let's say I'm chasing somebody. I run into a room, and there are no obvious exits, and my quarry has escaped. So I say I look for additional exits, or I say. You know, I look for uh, scraping of stone creases in the wall or, or seams where the stone all lines up. Okay. You as a DM, are you, you know, do you have a table in your back pocket where you're pulling it out and say, it's like, oh, well, this was going to be uh, a 17 skill check. And, you know, that description right there bought you six points. We're going all the way down to an
2: 11. <laughs> you're not going to, I mean, I personally wouldn't do that, nor do I think that that's necessarily a reasonable thing to ask of yourself. However... I think absolutely a thing that you can grant is advantage.
0: Awesome if steps. someone
2: is, you know, if they're saying, all right, uh, I walk into this room, this person's gone. I want to explicitly look for this very relevant sign of the way that they disappeared. Great advantage. On the other hand, if they call out, I want to explicitly look for this particular uh, sign of the way they disappeared, roll a disadvantage. And if you don't necessarily want to let them know that they're looking for the wrong thing. You can just ask them to roll twice and tell you both numbers, um, which is a really interesting way to handle advantage-disadvantage without letting the player know which version they're getting.
0: That's clever. I do though. like that. Uh, but knowing my luck as a DM, the, character, or the, the player is then going to roll a 1 and a 20. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, well, no, it wasn't that direction. Yeah. No, but I do think, yeah, that is a nice idea, which I guess actually, I mean, this gets back to a whole nother thing, right? We do have, and I constantly forget as a DM, like I never have it in front of me. We have passive perception. And and so I I could even imagine like letting, like leveraging that in some way in in the conversation that we're having. You know, how often, uh, let's say, same story, I'm looking for Corey, but it's a crowded, it's a crowded space. You know, someone got a glance of what they were wearing and so we're chasing them down. It it would be boring to like every every town block say roll perception again for me roll perception again for me you know I think the right thing to do as a DM is to leverage that passive perception but yeah how do you how do you think about that
1: uh, my general rule is if the player says that they're actively looking for something make them roll so if a player walks into the room if let's say let's say you walk into a room and you as the DM know there are hidden enemies in that room, you check their passive perception, and use that. But if the player walks in and says, "I I look around the room to see if anything's hiding in the room," then you let them roll. Um, now, one very important thing to remember about passive skills is passive skills actually provide a floor on your skill check. Um, so if you roll and you the result of your roll is below your passive score, your passive score still applies. So, so it, let's say you're incredibly perceptive and you walk into a room, you roll a natural one and the DM says, oh yes, you, uh, you look off in one corner and you don't notice and then satisfied that you see nothing in the room, you turn back to the room and then your passive perception kicks in and you notice a bunch of guys hidden, hidden in the corners um, and that, that one has been specifically addressed in sage advice and Jeremy Crawford has talked about it. So that one's legit. It's not some weird, weird shit that we made up.
0: Okay. I, you say that, that, that has been spread far and wide. I did not know that.
1: Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, as someone who has DM for me, I forgive you. Um Yes, uh, that one. That one's pretty easy to overlook. It's it's really not clear from the text of the rules, and unless you're unless you're like scrutinizing Jeremy Crawford's Twitter feed, it's pretty easy to miss these things. Uh, honestly, the the Sage Advice PDFs and then Jeremy Crawford's Twitter feed uh, great resources for rules answers, but not super discoverable.
0: Okay, and and actually, maybe this brings so you know, I'll, I'll maybe spoil the surprise, right, right before this conversation. It was pointed out. Um, I learned a thing. I'll confess that, uh, that on the character sheet, there is actually uh, passive insight and passive investigation. I was not aware of that. I want to go back random to your rubric, which is like, depending on how you describe to me, the action that you want to take, I'm going to use that to determine whether I want you to make an investigate or a, um, uh, Perception check. I almost said persuasion. Yeah. Convince the the other to come out and then we'll talk. Okay. Um, In the passive scenario, how do you determine which passive that you want to look at? Which would be the rubric here?
2: And I would say that while I appreciate them putting a passive investigation on the character sheet, there aren't going to be many times when that's important. Um, Because so much of the way that you would use investigation, even the way that they wrote it, is in a very active sense. Um, you know, and if that's just to remind the player exactly what Tyler just talked about, that even if you roll a two, your floor is still whatever's listed in passive, right? So, you know, if uh, I am a an incredibly smart, well-trained individual looking for the signs of uh, there being a trap somewhere. I'm not going to just suddenly go, um, "Yes, that soup we had last night, my God, so good," and just miss something right now. Getting into uh, like how perception or how um, investigation can be used. And getting into one of the things that kicked this off. Tools. Yeah, can't let's talk about tools. So uh, the Artificer Armor Handbook that I wrote and, and is um, available on RPGBot.net calls out using your thieves tools to aid in your investigation checks. And a couple ways that you might do that, using shims to prod around the side of a stone, which might be a pressure plate, using your little dentist mirror to look inside perhaps a keyhole for a trap that might be triggered by turning the key one way and not the other. That's a real thing written into a 3.5 module that I've encountered. I'm not just pulling that out of thin air. That sort of thing. So, again, I think that really goes back to what are you able to make convincing? And on the one hand, that's as a player, you know, I want to tell a good story about how I play to my strengths. And on the other hand, as a DM, that's am I going to allow this person to be super strong at all of these things? And if so, is that serving the story well or do we need to tone that back in some fashion
0: nice okay and then remind folks so i i have tools what is that going to do to my 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 role what's the modifier
2: the character that i am talking about i call out that you never bother taking proficiency and investigate because it is your job to figure out how to use your thieves tools to perform the investigation checks that you care about, like searching for traps and searching for hidden treasure. Now, in 5th edition, you can only get your proficiency to a single role once, no matter how you do it. So if, for instance, you are proficient in... uh, Well, I mean, here's, (laughs) here's a good one. So if you're proficient in sleight of hand, and proficient in thieves' tools, and you go to pick a lock and your DM calls for a dexterity thieves tools, sleight of hand check, right? Even though you have proficiency in both things, you can only apply that once by the same token. You only need to become proficient in one of those things. If that's all you expect yourself to do most of the time. So rather than spending the proficiency on becoming proficient in investigation, you take your, uh, proficiency and then later expertise that you will get in thieves tools and use that to become the driving force on your roles for searching for traps and hidden things
1: now to uh to take another example on combining tools and skills uh a a really common case is characters who are proficient in both persuasion and an instrument uh like Say you're playing a bard, or sorry, not persuasion, performance. Performance and an instrument. Uh, now, that it, basically, every bard is going to be proficient in performance, and by default, they get, I think, three instruments. Now, let's say you go to do a performance or something, and you have proficiency in both, let's say, the flute and performance. So as Random said, you don't get to apply your proficiency bonus twice unless you have a feature that lets you do that, like Expertise. So so a typical bard, let's say you're level one, you don't have Expertise yet. Your proficiency in the flute and performance, you go to Perform, you just add your ability score modifier and your proficiency bonus. Xanathar's Guide to Everything introduced a new kind of optional rule Uh, it's on page 78 it addresses combining skills and tools Uh, the dm may allow you to make that check with advantage if you have proficiency in both a tool and a skill which apply to the same situation Uh, which if you apply that to the bard case it means performing with an instrument is always better than performing without an instrument
0: yeah i guess that makes a ton of sense to me because otherwise like take the ignore xanathar for a second all right you can't ignore xanathar okay fine (laughs) i i look the other way he looks the other way it's fine all eyes turn i i have proficiency in performance i have proficiency on these three instruments and that's useless because i could perform with any instrument and have just as good of a role exactly am i okay I, I don't think we need to commit an episode to that, but I, maybe we just let it linger for a second.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, and <clears throat> then it becomes this weird question of, okay, then what is the point of having those item proficiencies in the first place? And you could say, okay, well, now, for instance, what if I wanted to write a song that was going to accomplish some particular harmonic effect, right? And then, or or uh, let's say, I want to take my flute and try and play the particular pitch that's going to break glass. Now, if you were to know what pitch that would be, that would be intelligence. That's a thing you know. That's not a thing that you perform, right? So there could definitely be a case where a DM calls for an intelligence check to play that, and you say, let me add proficiency from my flute. Is it common? Absolutely not. And I think that the Xanathar's rule is a, a good way of of Give trying to adjudicate point. that. Yeah. But there is definitely points, and in fact, uh, <clears throat> I will call up an example, a, a less preposterous edge case example from my own play, right? So the soldier background lets you pick proficiency in one of three board games, essentially. It's like playing cards, dice, or three dragon ante, because what do soldiers do in downtime? They play games, right? Um, I ended up in a contested role where one of my party members was cheating, playing cards with me and used stealth to hide what they were doing. And, uh, you know, my DM said, all right, great roll of perception. And I said, I'm proficient in playing cards. Can I use that prof- proficiency to modify this perception check? And he said, "Absolutely, go for it." And that was a lot of fun, right? Calling out the little bits of stuff is a great way to make reference to parts of things that are often overlooked. It's almost like that's a, a theme of this podcast.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Uh,
2: okay,
1: so-, so to go back, uh, go back just a tiny bit. So the 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 existence of tools since the release of 5th edition, like, tools were kind of overlooked for a really long time because it was difficult to find ways to bring them into play. Uh, Xanathars did a lot to make tools more interesting. Um, it fleshed out specific mechanics for different sets of tools. Uh, the section on tools and skills together... like The second sentence is, thus, why would a character who has the opportunity to acquire one or the other want to gain a tool proficiency instead of a proficiency in a skill? Like, Wizards of the Coast literally understood that tools weren't interesting and added rules to the game to make them more interesting. So, uh, yeah, tools have some trouble uh, combining them with skills or using them in place of skills, like Random suggested, uh that is a great way to make tools both interesting and meaningful in your game
0: hundred percent hundred percent I'm actually yeah, you've got like I've got the crank turning now. I'm thinking about other tools that we should be introducing new tools, but anyway, awesome, Tyler, I think you had something special.
1: I did okay, so uh this is kind of a pop quiz uh all right, so we're gonna we're going to play a very, very fast game of D&D. And the entire mechanic is going to be, I will describe what is happening and you two tell me, do you roll perception or do you roll investigation or do you roll something else? All right. So that that is the basic scenario.
0: All right. So it's a real like David versus Goliath
1: <laughs> uh, of, 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 of
0: tabletop. I'm putting all that pressure on.
1: <laughs> sure. Yes. Which one am I? Because I remember which one wins.
0: I th- I think you're the rock.
1: <laughs> I think- I'll take that as a compliment.
0: Random's Goliath.
1: <laughs> all right. Kill random. Got it. Okay. Uh, all right. So the two of you are pursuing a pair of murderous thieves. Uh, you have pursued them to their hideout and stand outside what you believe to be the door to the hideout. Uh, You know that they are prone to leaving traps behind them wherever they go, and you know that they are willing to attack you if they see you. Uh, You stand at the door, and with uh, with one of your passive skills, you notice around the door there are some red splotches splattered on the wood of the door. Which passive skill do you use?
2: are you talking about which passive skill found that red information, yes. found that red splotch information?
0: Yes. Which I would call that
1: perception. Perception, okay. Randall, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, just to see the red splotches, I would also say perception.
1: Okay, all right. Now, uh, what skill would you use to figure out what those red splotches are?
0: I, I'm going to go with investigation because it feels like you would have to do
2: uh, a deducing that's certainly one possibility i would actually say that it depends on what the substance is if it's blood i might give it investigation or medicine if it's something alchemical i would probably give it arcana if it's something else entirely um i mean well arcana covers a lot but i would say that it definitely depends on what the composition of it actually is
1: okay i i like that you brought in the other skills there um I would agree with you. Uh, both of you, actually. Uh, investigation would be my first good go-to. Uh, if it's blood, I would allow medicine. Uh, now, in my imagination, it's blood and also something else. And with a decent investigation, you discover that some of it's blood, some of it's just wine. Uh, so you notice that there is some kind of combination of blood and wine splattered below the door handle on the door. Knowing that the thieves you're pursuing are prone to leaving traps behind them. You suspect that there is some kind of trap on the door. What do you use to look for traps? Uh, the previous half an hour of conversation.
2: Uh, <laughs> I mean, it. It again, like uh, me personally, I'm going to go to that experience of playing that artificer that I just did. And again, it's going to depend a fair bit on... Am I like am I certain that they're still inside this building that I have the time right if I have the time to break out my toolkit and go poking at it absolutely I'm gonna want to investigate that if that's what the character is built for if I'm just like I want to look for things which are suspicious things which might indicate a trap I would roll perception
1: okay Randall
0: so here's the deal. My initial instinct would actually be to more of like, I I look for long tree limb to poke handle, you know? Okay. I look for window to get in. Like I'd be looking for alternatives. Uh, for, I like for, that
1: creativity.
0: Yeah. For fear of handle. <laughs> okay. Like, All right. What, what you've told me is handle is scary. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be able
2: to get through that. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is like exactly the thing that I was um, very happy about, where this is like, you know, the the two... 20 year veteran software developers arguing about which particular way to tweak the code. And uh, somebody walks in and you know, like the, some non coder walks in and says, okay, but how about you just do that thing? And everyone (laughs) just throws up their
1: hands. (laughs) What's funny in that analogy is uh, Randall and I are both software developers, random. uh, And you, you are not. Uh, Yes. So, but great analogy. I have been in many of those conversations. Uh, all right, so so we'll say uh, you find a trap and also climb through a window to avoid it. Uh, you are now in some sort of a warehouse. The room is dimly lit, but you can see stacks of boxes towered around you. Uh, you believe that the thieves could be lying and, and lying, waiting to ambush you. What skill do you use to look for them?
0: Uh, I believe it's spot. <laughs>
1: Nailed it. Time travel. Ye olden days of 2005.
2: Um. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I would call that perception. And in fact, I would probably not even ask my players to roll because the act of searching, if there are people there waiting to actively ambush you, I would just straight compare it to passive. And if you beat it, you see them. And if you don't, they get a surprise. Not that there's a whole lot of mechanical
1: benefit for surprise in 5th edition, but there it is. Yeah, we should do an episode on surprise. Uh, Yeah, perception. Great answer. Uh, Okay, so the thieves pop out. Uh, You, trained adventurers, quickly defeat them. Uh, Having defeated them, you know that each of them is carrying a key to the vault where they hide all of their ill-gotten goods. How do you find the key?
0: I just hope this doesn't come down to medicine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, if, if it's come down to medicine, we're searching the insides of the thieves, and that's not a pleasant thought. Oh, no. Uh, you,
0: you said it out loud.
2: Oh, that's what I do. <laughs> I mean, it, so you said that we know that each of them carries a key. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, if if you're. If you just take one of them and strip him down to component clothing and sift through it. If you do it the way that I just described, I'd probably call that an investigate because you know that there is a thing which you are looking for and you are doing it in a methodical fashion. If you're just going to pat down the body, that's probably perception.
1: Okay. So, so you're saying there's a line based on method. So, so going back to the text of the rules, so investigation specifically uses the the phrase deduce the location of a hidden object. So would you consider taking all of the person's belongings and going through all of them? would you consider that deducing the location of a hidden object or would you consider that just a really thorough perception check?
0: I mean I, I could see I could see arguing that you're you're making some deduction like so for instance, let's say the first thing you do is you just strip them naked all right. And then you you split the clothes in half and you search through one pile and you search through the other pile. And if you don't find it, then you split it again and you look deeper. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do a binary search to the clothing <laughs> where we touch each piece of clothing in further and further detail. The more, the, the, the more we don't find it. Similar to if you lost your keys in your house, what do you do? You walk in a quick circle, take a peek at everything. Okay, that didn't work out. But now I'm going to look harder. And now I'm going to look harder, which actually this is what I wanted to say, like as a DM in that scenario. So the danger is over. I know that they carry the key on them. What scenario is there where you are going to deny
2: your party finding the key? And, and that's an interesting point. And actually, uh, I uh, so I, I would not deny them if they know it, if they know that each individual carries a key, unless that's a lie that I have built in and someone has lied to them, right? There's a little reason to deny them or even force a roll right um what you're talking about that with your binary search goes back to a mechanic from 3.x that is no longer present taking 20 uh in 3.x for any skill which had no penalty for failure and where you were not threatened you could simply take 20 to simulate that you did the action 20 times and rolled every number 1 through 20 on a d20 for your skill check and it took 20 times as long and there were actual mechanical rules about how long it took to search something taking 20 right um now in fifth edition obviously you know if you say that i want to just be very thorough and you describe being very thorough maybe that gives you an advantage but yeah i mean you know for for this particular instance I put, I personally wouldn't roll if I was going to have them roll. I would really allow either.
1: Okay, I like that answer, allow either. Um, so so on the subject of not having the key on their person, so uh, we, we should do an episode on failure and skill checks sometime, but uh, one thing that you as the DM could do, if you call for a roll on that check, instead of simply have it be like, oh, you don't find the key, if they roll, maybe the key's somewhere else. Uh, part of what rolling the dice is supposed to account for is uh, outside factors, randomness, things that you can't predict. So maybe a low roll isn't the player making, or isn't the character making a mistake. Maybe the key is just somewhere else.
0: Actually, I guess I'll throw in what I really love the idea of is you find the decoy key, or you find like uh, you know the key to their front door, which is not <laughs> the key you were looking for. Um, and it's like, yeah, you know, you totally find a key. Skull of Crossbones, it's got all those things on it. Do they match? Of course they match their best friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Okay. Good talk. Are there other things we wanted to hit?
1: I think we've beaten this one to death.
0: Nice. Nice, nice. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for joining us on uh, episode one, the second episode of the RPG podcast. Um, again, I'm Randall James. You can find me at AmateurJack.com, AmateurJack on Facebook, and Jack Amateur on Instagram and Twitter.
1: Uh, I'm Tyler Kamstra, author of RPGBot.net. You can find me online at RPGBot.net. On Twitter uh, at RPGBOTDOTNET and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RPGBOTDOTNET because RPGBot was taken on both of them. And you won't
2: really find me much on social media. Uh, I do occasionally contribute to RPGBot.net. If you look in places where people play games, you might find me as Harlequin. Um, because that or Harlequin with a T on the end, because Harlequin is fairly common. So you will find me in one of those on Steam, Discord, a few other places. But in general, mostly you're going to find me here.
0: I like the random is at all the cool places.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you
0: all. And uh, thank you to our producing,
2: Dan.
1: We got a polite thumbs up, and that was all.
0: I think It was more like a finger. I don't, I don't, it, it was an index, though. So I think it was friendly. All right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think, all right, uh, join us next time. I think we're going to have a conversation about mounted combat. We sure are. And that will be spicy. All right, thanks, folks.